You're listening to the audio portion of Workshop Wednesdays. Workshop Wednesdays is a free live discussion about topics affecting accountants, bookkeepers, and business owners. You can join the ABO group in Facebook to participate live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Just search for ABBO in Facebook. This podcast is brought to you by SchoolofBookkeeping.com, where you will learn, grow, and build a thriving bookkeeping practice. We have hundreds of lessons with almost every aspect of the industry. Start your free month today at SchoolofBookkeeping.com. Well, welcome to another Workshop Wednesdays. Whoops, where it just moved on me. That's casual conversations for serious workflows. Brought to you by SchoolofBookkeeping.com, where you can be the best bookkeeper you can be. Hey, look at that. I've got uh, two two taglines in there for two for one. Right. How are you, Rachel? I'm great. How are you? Very good. Very good. We're just screaming under the, coming in on two wheels, making sure we could hear each other right before we go live, but everything seems to be working out okay. If you're, if you're catching us on Facebook, we, the, the streaming platform that we are using, we can't see who you are unless you activate a, a little thing on Facebook because some of the groups we put it into, like the CBG group or the ABO Facebook group, their settings are private. So we can't necessarily see unless you acknowledge. And so that's that link that I just posted in there about being able to see that on the, on allowing the streaming platform to see who you are so we can see you in the chat. Susan's here. Hi, Susan. Susan has avoided the, what was the name of the storm that that came through there? Aida or something. (laughs) She weathered the storm and she's back again. So that's awesome. We have uh, a horrible the- storm here in, in Michigan right now. It's terrible. Oh, well, good thing you are hunkered down for this workshop Wednesday. We are coming in for a landing here on, on the e-commerce fundamentals, the discussion that we've been having with Rachel while Carrie is apparently on sabbatical for the workshop. Apparently. <laughs> she does, she does exist. I believe me, she is there, but she did a lot of summer traveling. And uh, so it was great to have you through this as, as almost like a, a substitute for Carrie, but there is no substitute for Carrie, but we are finishing up our, our e-commerce uh, fundamentals. And we've had Rachel uh, Gauchi joining us because she specializes in that industry. And we're putting it all together today with e-commerce accounting, where this is really where accounting accountants and bookkeepers want to you know, putting, putting all those pieces together makes it for a smooth process. And that's like where you, where you specialize in Rachel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also have, I don't know if I mentioned, I'm sure I mentioned this before, but I also have an e-commerce store and <laughs> that's the reasons I was running a little late is because we're trying to get on TikTok for business. And let me tell you, it is so many little things are so frustrating and I don't even know if anybody has any suggestions on how to get approved for TikTok for business, please let me know. (laughs) Yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on that one because there's always those, like what we were talking before about marketplaces. I think TikTok has some of those rules and regulations that they have to be in their exclusive club. When it comes to being able to sell, sell on TikTok, is, is that what well, you're running up against? Well, because Shopify pushes to the 
TikTok channel. So ah. you can list your items on TikTok for business. You can even do little videos on Vimeo or Vimeo or however it connects that. And it puts Vimeo. Can it pulls in your Shopify catalog? And then, which we just discovered earlier today, where I was explaining to my assistant to save the image and then upload it back and nope, holds it right in. It's incredible. And then you can push your Vimeo little videos you make straight to TikTok. But work now, we can figure it out. But if you have your product catalog connected, Facebook um, selling, your Facebook shop, your Instagram shop, and your TikTok shop, they can flip and shop and buy right at that moment. And that's what you want. Ah. Yes, because you got to get that impulse buy. If you have to leave an app, like if you're in TikTok, mindless, yeah. mindful. And or mindlessly scrolling. I'm not sure which, but if you're scrolling, you don't want to leave TikTok or, or the app that you're in. Right. Oh, you want to buy them right different. in there. Yeah. And the yeah. reason that I know that is because I always buy. <laughs> right. Okay. You are your best and worst customer. But I'm like, oh, I have to have those pair of ultra comfy shoes. Bye. Yeah. When somebody says, check link in bio. That's like, forget it. Right. That's like watching a, a buffered YouTube video on an airplane. Yeah. Uh, that's too many steps. I'm like, I'm not going to go back to 2011. You have to have the shop now, click on the face, take right to their store. Right. Or you can well, buy it in Facebook, but then those sales actually do that now that I'm way into the accounting. Those sales actually do get in Shopify, for instance, if somebody is buying on the Facebook channel or the Instagram channel, those sales are included in your Shopify reporting tools. So let yeah, so let's set the stage here for the accounting aspect of and I love the name of your business, net deposited, because that really at its base as a fundamental concept is really where businesses tend to tend to get lost in the accounting aspect of selling stuff online, right? Uh, so talk a little bit about net deposited and what that meant and the mission or, or of, of your business and what you're trying to solve for, for e-commerce sellers. Sure. So there's two parts of it really. And first, the part of it is understanding the accounting. And then that, the other part of it is under, understanding the accounting software. And in my case, I exclusively use QuickBooks Online. And the reason that I do is because I really love app integration and all the various things that I can connect with QuickBooks Online. But when I first started using QuickBooks Online, it took me a while before I completely understood how everything worked, even though I've used all kinds of different accounting softwares in the past. But QuickBooks Online is a lot different. And one of my very first clients started getting payouts through the bank feed, and I was just reporting those directly to sales. And then I realized, wait, I'm doing this all wrong. And I really reverse engineered and figured out the proper way to do the accounting. And man, there's nothing like making mistakes to figure out the right way to do it. And that's why when somebody explains to me that they made a huge mistake, I totally get it. I have to. And that's the best way to learn. So turns out what's coming from the bank feed 
is essentially your payout. It's your net deposit of what you're getting from your day of sales or period of sales, whichever the platform that's paying you out, either pay for a day's worth of sales with Shopify payments, if there's usually a two-day lag and paying you out for one day's worth of sales. If it's Amazon, which we've talked about before, there's usually a two-week period that they're collecting all the information and then they'll pay you out your total two weeks later and so on. Summer, Stripe, and Square, and all of them have payouts. It's our job as accountants to reconcile those payouts with what they're saying they're paying you out. Because what they're paying out is one thing, what they're saying they're paying you out is another. So you have your net payout that's being reported on Stripe or whatever it is. And then there's the corresponding gross sale that's responsible for that. It really depends on how you're posting those sales to QuickBooks, whether there's a couple different ways. I don't know if you want to get into that right now, but I we did talk about that, but a couple different ways that you're posting your gross sales, but really that's what you need to do is you need to post those sales first on an accrual basis. And then that payout is going to come through the bank feed a couple of days later. So that's really, there's a lot of different moving parts to that, but that's the, that's the concept of what you want. So the general concept is that you want to, when the sale happens, you want to account for the sale. And then when the payout happens, you want to account for the payout, but reconciling the, the discrepancy between the, the gross sale and the fees and things that may have been taken out along the way, uh, to, to basically reconcile that, those sales to yeah. the payment. And I wanted to revisit a, a term that you use, accrual base accounting, which got me stuck when I first heard it. And I want to make sure that we just unpack that. And that's what we, that's what we're referring to when we're talking about accrual based accounting with regards to e-commerce, because when, when I think of accrual base, I'm thinking of an invoice and a payment later, right? Whereas in a, in an e-commerce situation, the payments already happened, right? But the payout has not, right? And is that where, you, where you're talking about accrual based accounting in that regard, where it's the sale versus the payment versus the, an invoice and a payment later from a customer? Yeah, but what you just said, and maybe you, you misspoke, but what you said was the payment first and the payout later. But I like to, but, and what you are saying is right. The customer made the payment and then yeah. you get the payout. But I like to think of it as to avoid all confusion is the sale was made. You get the payout later. So it's really like accounting 101 is you are recognized whatever transaction in the period that it was earned or it was expensed is really the right way to think about accrual account. So I earned that skill on that. My customer went onto my website and paid for and ordered that widget on that day. I'm not going to see that cash till three days later. But that needs to be recorded on that day. So like you said, it's similar to an invoice, although in e-commerce, we don't use that. But there, I invoiced, if I'm a landscaper, I invoiced the, my customer on April 5th. That is the date of the sale. 
he may not pay me until May. And so the opposite would be is if you're doing cash-based accounting, you would recognize the sale of that when it was paid, not when it was earned. Accrual is really making sure that you're recognizing it in the accounting period, which is the month that it was earned. Yeah, I guess the I guess the challenge that that I originally had about hearing accrual based accounting is I was thinking of the QuickBooks method. What it means to QuickBooks when you talk about cash versus accrual, right? Um, yeah. As these as these particular transactions are coming in, it doesn't matter if put it on a cash basis or accrual basis because they'll come in as sales receipts for the most part uh, or journal entries and that is recognized on a cash versus accrual basis right so you could say this is accrual based accounting for for the sale coming in and then the payout coming in but from the quickbooks perspective it doesn't matter if you run your reports on a cash versus accrual because they're going to see the same data regardless right so they're there is no, there's no difference when it comes to, oh, I run this profit and loss on an accrual basis versus a cash basis. It's not going to change the data in any way because you're really concerned about it. And from an e-commerce perspective is that sale that has come in and that payout has come in. And that's what I'm reconciling, which doesn't, yeah, have, any, doesn't have any impact on the reporting aspect of it. I'm thinking in terms of a connector that you're using. So let's say, for instance, you're using a connector that's recording your sales receipt. So posting sales receipts. And then it'll also post that if it's Stripe or something and maybe you're using Cinder, it's also going to post your expected payout on the debit side of the clearing. Yes, it is posting that you're receiving. And then what's going to come through the bank feed is going to match with that. I don't, I, yeah, that might be a little, I might just, <laughs> that's a little bit more than a fundamental topic, I think. And, and since we're yeah, talking about e-commerce yeah. fundamental, but I just wanted to set that distinction that when we talk about accrual based accounting, when it comes to e-commerce accounting, we're talking about, uh, accounting for the sales and reconciling that to the payout, which is not the QuickBooks terminology of reporting right. that you're running. You're, you are a QuickBooks person pro, and I might not be understanding what you're saying about <laughs> the running the report. I, I, I think I smell smoke. Uh, yeah, so. what the report is going to say, if you run it on a cash basis, is going to be what your connector has posted as that payout. Maybe I'm just thinking it in terms of that. If you're talking of if you're talking about you're sending invoices and clients not paying till later, then you're, you know, that's going to be a totally different report. Right. I guess, I guess what you're saying in terms of e-commerce is there's not much difference on that uh, approval versus right. cash reporting, I guess. On yeah. And it, and, it, and it all depends on, and it all depends on how that data is getting into QuickBooks. As to yeah. Whether that's that, that's whether really that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah it, yeah. it really depends on how the data is getting into QuickBooks because I'm running into this so much is that it really depends on the connector because sometimes the connector isn't posting your expected payout. It's only posting the sale and it really talk, it really depends on the connector's ability to grab that payout data. 
And, and this is all about automation, not talking about me writing a report and posting a journal entry, talking about connection settings. And some of them, you have to touch but add your payouts into a clearing account. Some of them, if it's straight, it's match, match, match. Some of them, you just have to deposit right into that clearing account. So it's really really specific on what connector is doing what and then what the payment method is because it's all going to be a different type of ad or match. Yeah, we'll put a pin on that that term that you called a clearing account. We'll talk a little bit more about that because that is ultimately what you a mechanism that that accounting professionals will utilize to help reconcile that sale to the payout, right? But there's going to be some some variances from sales channel to sales channel, right? We've talked about the online shopping cart experience versus the marketplace. There could be a various difference between the timing of those deposits. It may happen pretty regularly. It may be on demand, or it may be, as we talked about Amazon, could be every 14 days, right? Before you actually get that. And then a lot of stuff has happened between those 14 days and a lot of fees, as if you ever had an Amazon seller, a lot of fees will come out between the time that there was some sales, there's some returns, and there's some fulfilled by or shipping sales tag type of thing that came into that settlement report that you're that you are accounting for, right? And then as a as someone who specializes in e-commerce clients. The mechanism that you're doing that is, is, is a clearing account, right? So talk a little bit about that clearing account aspect and how you utilize that. Sure. So I'll give an example of one that I actually have to manually post. So my firm net deposited, I sell swag and actually I sell swag featured featuring the leading lady machine works, which is Kelly G and Kristen Nisaraldo. And they sell some of their swag on my store and I've got some other swag. It's really fun. And so I sell it on Shopify and every time that there's a sale that comes through, I must have set my connector up wrong because I got a payout with no, it didn't match to anything. And I was like, weird, what happened to my actual sales posting? For some reason it didn't come in. So I have to manually do that. So now what I can do is I could actually create a sales receipt and then I can have the payment out be Shopify payments clearing. So that means it's similar to undeposited. So really what I like to boil it down to is I call it not necessarily a clearing account, but my payments to be expected account. Not sales to be expected, but payment to be expected. So for example, if I've got a whole bunch of sales in my store I, and I want, and I'm not using a connector or something like that, but I want to put them all in one sales receipt, then I can post that sales receipt and then in the payment count, it's, it's I'll just say Shopify payments, but I'm going to call it Shopify payments clearing, okay? So what that has done is it's recorded a credit to sale and debit to the clearing account, right? So then when that actual pain comes through, 
I want to deposit that payment to the clearing account. I want to deposit to the other side of the clearing account. What, Dan, what would happen if I just deposited that payout right to sale? If you deposited the payment right to sale, now you've double stated your income because the sale came in, it's posting to, to sales revenue. The payout comes in and then it's posting to revenue. So now you've double stated your income and now you're paying more taxes. Um, yeah, so you've duplicated your income, you've duplicated your income, and then you're not clearing out what? You're not clearing out the diff the discrepancy of that clearing account. Yeah, you're There's not clearing any, any of those fees. Yeah, so that's really, really important. So that, what, that's what we mean by all these sales need to post, whether I'm posting a sales receipt, whether or not I'm posting a daily journal entry full of daily sales, whether or not the connector is posting a journal entry or the connector is posting a sales receipt with the offset to strike clearing or something like that. So you always want that sales revenue posting. No, I don't ever post a sales receipt directly to the bank account. I guess you could, and then it can match, but I usually just do a clearing account. But the, um, the, but challenge, the challenge with that question there is the, the, the comment, if you post your sales receipt directly to the bank account, it's rare, unless you're doing a one, if this is a one-to-one -one relation, relationship, then, then that's fine. Like I sold one thing for a hundred dollars. My payout is 97 something because of the fees that were taken out for Shopify and wait yeah. for that to handle, but that never happens with the. No, because you're getting you're a bad. Income. Yeah. Right, so exactly. You're going to be having, you're going to be having two, three, four, maybe hundreds of sales in that day which will then compile, com, uh, compile into your payout account. And then Shopify at its discretion will, whatever its batch closeout is, will then say, okay, here's all the funds that, here's all the payments that, that are expected. Let's put them in their account, shall we? Yeah, so that's how I do it. Is I, let's say I'm doing a cleanup and I do this all the time. I'm doing a cleanup and I'm going into my client Stripe and I see, Sales receipt, sales receipt, sales receipt. They didn't put it in. And I'm like, okay, I've got to add these three sales receipts. If it's a ton, I bring them in like with Sassan or something. But if it's like two or three, I'll go in, I'll look at the sales receipt. I'll be like, okay, these are the line items. Here's the amount for the fee. So I am capturing the fee in the sales receipt. And then offset strike clearing. That way, when I've got, let's say, then I've got three transactions that add up to $1,000 in Stripe clearing. Then when the actual payouts come through, I add those to the other side of Stripe clearing because what is been posted in Stripe clearing is my net or it's my sales receipt, but it's got, it totals to my net payout, right? Because I've got, let's say I've got $500 worth of sales and then I've got a Stripe fee for $27 that I've added in that makes it a negative $27. So then my net amount is blah, blah, blah. And then that comes in through the bank feeds. So yeah, person who said, then you're missing the fees. But if you put it in the sales receipt, that works, but still don't want to do pay to cash because like dance, it's very rarely that you're going to get a payout for one sales receipt. You're going to get a batch payout right. for a whole bunch of stuff. So very, that's why it's very... really important to use that clearing account. So now if you're using something like Cinder with Stripe for sales receipt, then 
you can do um you send a will post sales receipt sales receipt sales receipt and it'll post expected payment expected payment expected payment but those expected payments are batched up but stripe is telling sender what that batched amount will be so it'll go post 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 and then what's coming through the bay feed will match with that but it's not gonna be the exact amount of the sales receipt if that makes any sense at all so yeah, basically what you're doing i mean what you're what you complicated you, but like the system that you've well let me tell you just talking about the, the 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 system that you've created is um the, the system that you've created for this is what quickbooks payments is doing automatically right when you yeah. send your invoices to your customers and you have five or six seven payments in a day or in a batch and then mm -hmm. quickbooks then handles the rest right it, uh, yeah you know, it, will, it will make the payments for you when they happen and then it will group the payments together as a funded when it's all funded and then it will account for the fees automatically right so yeah, that's kind of like the, the magic of the quickbooks payment yeah, then you'll get an email that says, we are depositing $3,050 into your account. And then you're like, oh, okay, because I've got the four invoices that I sent out that total that, right? So yeah, it's batching. But the, the other example I wanted to give was a journal entry, right? So right. let's say you're doing, because that's when a clearing account is really yeah. important. Somebody did comment, a journal entry, bad. Depends on what you're using QuickBooks for. So for the yep. e-commerce people, we're really not using QuickBooks for reporting. We're using it for the standard P&L and balance sheet, of course, but we're usually pulling sales reports on the platform. So in that case, it's okay that we're using journal entries to record days worth of sales. Because if you have a high volume seller that's got hundreds and hundreds of individual sales per day, you don't really want all the sales receipts in QuickBooks. And so you want to capture a journal entry for the day. So let's say posting, let's say we're using Bookkeep and Bookkeep is posting a sales journal entry for the day. On the credit side, we have gross sales. And then on the debit side, we have less discounts, less returns. That's a culture revenue on the debit side. Then we have sales tax collected credit because that's the natural balance and then and then shipping income it's there's usually a shipping income is separated out and then in shopify at least there is and then on the debit side we have payments to be expected so that would be maybe you've got a lot for paypal payments to be expected that's going to go on paypal payments clearing let's say you've got a shopify payments expected that's going to lump all that there. Then they're going to post the payment journal entry. And the payment journal entry clears out the clearing because remember that sales journal entry had a debit side clearing. So the payment journal entry is going to have a credit side to the clearing account because it's going to clear up the clearing and then it's going to debit what, Dan? I'm muted. I was trying to I was trying to follow your trying to follow yeah. your chart, and I was actually yeah. trying to look up Ledger Artists had actually said I would love a visual for this, and this is what you're this is what you're describing, and I wanted yeah. to so post. I, 
I let me get posted. I'm a TXL girl. I love describing it in TXL. So I am happy to do that, like maybe at some point. But anyway, there's always two sides to everything. And I am the kind of person I always go into the transaction journal because I want to see how it looks like in accounting. And so when you're using a connector like Bookie and it's Shopify, okay, you are going to always want sales journal entry and a payment journal entry because you want to clear out the clearing. So your payment journal entry is going to credit the clearing, clear out that clearing, just like on deposited funds. Because what dollar balance do I want for that clearing? We want the, again, I'm lost in your example, but then we want the balance to be zero, right? I mean, zero, that, exactly. That will, that will reconcile zero. the two together. Yeah, so we want zero. So then the credit side of the, pay, of the hosting journal is going to be the credit side. And then the debit side is going to be because they're receiving that cash. So you post that payment journal entry. And then what do you get in the bank fee? Match, 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 match all the way down because it's matching your expected payout. So that's why I like to call it payments to be expected. So if let's say I'm not using connector. Yeah. So I, and I use bookkeep a lot because I love those journal entries with a daily sale. I've got my revenue posting, which they call it your e-commerce posting for the day. And then the payment journal entry. Now you have to understand how to map all that. But if you do, then you get that match. And all of this is to set up for that match. And so when you want that clearing account, always clearing out, because then at the end of the month, it's a snap to reconcile. If it's not, then you're posting that other side to something wrong. So that's how you know if my, your clearing account isn't clearing out, you're doing something wrong. Now, if I didn't have a connector like Bookkeep posting something, I could pull the report and I could post my own journal entry, gross sales, sales tax payable, and so on and so on with the debit side to payments to be extended. And then I could just wait for it to come through the bay feed and it may match that way. Um, or if it doesn't, I could just add it to the clearing. So yeah. there, there's a this... big difference between matching and adding. And I'm telling you, like, it took me a really, really, really long time yeah. to get this all straight. Because yeah, if, this... if, if, if you understand debits and credits, and when you increase cash at the debit, when you increase revenue, did I say, wait, did I just say that wrong? Increase to cash increase, the debit, yeah. increase to revenue. You, yeah. If you, you know all those, that's fine. Still maneuvering it all in QuickBooks and how that's coming through the payouts still takes a while. It can be really funky, but somebody had posted, they saw something about how they do this at the bookkeep webinar. These connectors are so amazing they have so much re they have so many resources cinder has lots of articles on why you should use a clearing account i sent that article to a few different people bookkeep in their resource center had a whole bunch of information on clearing accounts why they're important why you need it if for accrual based accounting so the, yeah. there's all kinds of different ways you can refine your understanding on 
Yeah. And, and this will all boil down to, if we, if you go back and you watch the, the other topics that we discussed about the e-commerce fundamentals, uh, a lot of these things come into play as to how I'm doing all this in QuickBooks, right? The, the, the aspect of sales tax, right? So where are you tracking your sales tax? Are you doing all that in QuickBooks or are you doing all that in someplace else, right? So if you're handling it outside of QuickBooks, the person that, that uh, had a you know, comment here can upload invoices as CSV files with the sales tax module turned on to work around for that. That obviously that tells me you're doing tax sales tax or sales tax turned on. And then there's a sales tax consideration. So that's a bigger issue than just bringing in the sales tax collected from the sales channel or not. If you're using, yeah. market, we talked about those types of things. The other considerations of, is this, am I tracking my inventory levels in inside of QuickBooks? But all that boils down to is whether or not I'm bringing in, I want to bring in my sales in a detailed fashion. Or do I need to bring in my sales in a summary, right? So as somebody had said, a journal entry is bad. A journal entry is ne not necessarily bad or good in this particular case, because that, that certainly could be the real, the transaction to use. But if you are using inventory and if you are using sales tax, yeah, then it would be bad, right? Right. Because if you're, you are not, you're not using a you're not using a sales transaction so that now that sales transaction, because it's a journal entry, doesn't flow into the sales tax reports. Yeah. So that's, and that, I'm so glad you said that because that's another reason, Herman, can I use a journal entry to bring in all my daily sales? If I'm tracking inventory, but, but you cannot. It's right. sales press transaction only. So you can hit the product service item and you can hit the sales. So in that situation, so she can't upload the invoices at the CSV file. I would still, if it's e-commerce, I would upload them as sales receipt. But I would also probably turn off the sales tax module and then just create another, because the sales tax module is meant to use the rate in system, right? But you can create another sales tax liability account if the sales tax is already being calculated in some platform and it's just being imported to hit the right GL account, you can turn it off. Oh, can you not use it? Wait, you couldn't turn it off after it's been used. Oh, you know what? That yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that particular work, work scenario is likely not something that we can work through in a live webinar. We probably would want to either reach out to us on School of Bookkeeping through Quick Answers and we can maybe work through this because there's more to it than just importing yeah. invoices as an invoice invoices because of these comments account. If you're uploading sales receipts, then you can create a product service item line of sales tax and then yeah. you can point that to at your own created liability account. Right. Upload That's all of the sales receipts so then you've got one sales tax payable, even if that sales tax center is turned on, then you're hitting a non-sales tax center sales tax liability account. If that makes sense. Um, yeah. But there's more questions than answers with that particular scenario. Yeah, so that, we definitely don't want to really don't, don't hold us to any because Rachel told you show type thing. 
because there's more to it and we probably yeah. get a little, a little and that's why i always need to know what's going on with their business but if they're a high volume business and that you are bringing in those journal entries the sales tax is getting calculated in the platform based on the settings that have been set up in that platform either by you or if they've done it correctly and so Anyway, you bring in your sales and it's going to have for the day and it's going to have a sales tax collected for the day. And then that'll dump in whatever sales tax liability you've created. Let's say, presumably, you started with a new file with them, never turned on the sales tax center. You just created Shopify sales tax payable. And it may be many states, but it's all dumping in that one thing. And then all of the sales tax payments clear out that. Payable. That's how I do it. I people have asked me before, oh, do you create different liability accounts for each state? I don't because I have people with Nexus in 14 states. I don't want 14 lines on my balance sheet. I just do Shopify sales tax payable and then whatever payment Techstar or Avalara initiate comes out of that account, or that's where, where I put it uh, through the bank feed. But, um, so that, yeah. I mean, this is what boils bubbles up to the surface when you are talking about, you know, am I bringing in my sales in a summary or a detail, right? Because if you are, you know, the answer to that question is, am I using some functionality inside of QuickBooks after that sale comes in, right? Uh, a journal entry would be fine, but if I'm tracking inventory and if in QuickBooks and if I'm tracking sales tax, you don't want to use a that, you don't want to use that, yeah. right? Because if I'm using the functionality, if I'm using the functionality inside of QuickBooks, yeah, uh, to to prepare my sales tax reports, I am cutting off my nose to spite my face because a journal entry is not going to flow into those reports. A journal entry is not going to deduct the the inventory on hand because those items are not even referenced. So. Right. I usually will run a sales tax liability report in Shopify anyway, or wherever else, not any QuickBooks. But if you do have, you need to hit product service items, then you can't bring in, um, and whether or not you've created a fee or sale or a sales tax or whatever to a product service item that you then want to run a report in QuickBooks, that wouldn't be appropriate. But I do have people that, though, they have a hybrid situation. Ay, ay, ay. So they have, pro- they are using product services and they invoice wholesale out of QuickBooks. So I do have to bring high volume into QuickBooks using the connectors because I need to hit product service item because they want to run the report out of QuickBooks. So in that situation, I do have to create a dummy sales tax liability and I am not using the sales tech center, but also neither is he because he's selling wholesale. So yeah, it can, oh my gosh. <laughs> but there are situations because if somebody is using product services in QuickBooks for their purposes, usually my clients are invoicing. That's usually the only thing they're doing in there. And then I'm bringing in sales from an e-commerce channel. Then I can't use a journal entry. I have to use the sales receipt because we need product service item. So we've we've talked about this detail versus summary, and there's some caveats to that of functionality that's u- being used inside of QuickBooks, sales tax consideration, inventory options that we had talked about. Where are they tracking the inventory in, in general? But then there's this other aspect of 
okay, I've got multiple online places that I'm selling and all of those, as Rachel talked about, there's a clearing account for each kind of sales channel. But what if I have something like PayPal that could potentially be a payment method on multiple sales channels, right? That really throws thing, throws a huge curve because as you have a sale in Shopify, for example, and they pay with PayPal, and then you have a sale on Amazon and they paid with PayPal, where does that go? Because that sale either came in, if you're having all your sales going through your clearing account, Amazon's not going to pay you. Yeah, right? but I've learned the lesson the hard way. I never allow my clients to use one PayPal for multi-channel. They have to use a separate PayPal for each channel because that's exactly the problem is then your PayPal payments clearing is never going to clear. And then what if they don't sweep their balance to their checking account? That PayPal payments is never going to clear. So you want to make sure that there's a lot of questions you want to ask if they're using PayPal. Number one, are they using PayPal as a payment method only? Yeah. Are they using it for more than one channel? Are they purchasing things with PayPal? Because if they are, then you've got complexity in PayPal. And in that situation, I always connect PayPal to QuickBooks as a bank account because you have money in because it's the payment method. Then you've got transfers back and forth to the different checking accounts or whatever PayPal has it connected to. And then you've got presumably expenses that they're making. Hopefully they're not. And then, and then so you've got to deal with that PayPal capture, all that PayPal activity. Now, if they're only using it as a payment method to receive, maybe you can get away without connecting it. But I still always connect it just because of the transfers. I still like to do that. But yeah. Don't or highly discourage your clients from using one PayPal for several channels. And if you do, you charge them more because that adds complexity that is, is on, it's another level of crazy. Well, and, and, and it's not exclusive to PayPal, right? There's all sorts of other payment methods that, that people can ultimately use. There's a lot of buy now, pay later, yep. you know, extra things with Sezzle that can be on multiple sales channels. So that's something to consider when you have, when you're taking on a client is, do they have these sort of situations? Because it is going, as you're talking about, like the simplistic method is putting everything through a clearing account. And if there is anything that diverts funds from coming through that, that one payment method or that, that particular payment source, that's just gonna make it far more complex and then the sales will never match the clearing account because the, you're not going to have your end all of be all of zero, which is what yeah. your, your goal is when you go to and write. So funny now, do you actually, I, I don't want to ask you, do you actually reconcile this clearing account or do you, every, you, you actually want to get it back down to zero? So you get your reports you, from the sales channel and you get your payments, payments that have been deposited and you'll reconcile that as part of your search. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I reconcile the payment clearing accounts to zero, I reconcile Stripe to what the balance says. I reconcile PayPal to what the balance says. So some of them are a little funky. They actually will tell you what a balance is at the end of the month. But but what I was going to say is, well, I think it flew out of my head. No, what I was going to say is, it is, can be a little counterintuitive because the client thinks 
oh, I'm just going to hold my balance. It's going to be so much easier for you. And it's actually the opposite. Because if you're holding that balance, then you're treating that payment method like a bank account. And then I, my clearing just sits there. And so I explain to them, you want to set your PayPal or your Stripe or your Square or whatever onto a daily suite. That way it's coming out every day and my clearing account is moving because I want that to reconcile to zero at the end of the month and it's easier for me. And I also want, if, if I've got a, a match through my connector, I want I don't want stuff just sitting in their Stripe or their PayPal because, and they don't know. So I've had to have conversations with them before and say, actually, you want to set this on daily suite because that makes things um, more, it flows better for me. And they're like, oh, I never would have thought that. It is just very counterintuitive. But they also think that if they connect that one Square account to their big commerce and the square they're selling in store and they have it connected to something else that just adds the complexity so i always tell them one if they can do it one payment method per channel and maybe they have to set up two paypals maybe three paypals but i have clients that do that because having to deal with multiple payouts going into one PayPal clearing, it's even I can't get it to balance them. <laughs> getting it to getting it to that that the promised land of zero is it's like changing tires on a moving vehicle. And one of our uh, viewers there finally threw up the red flags. Okay, I need help. <laughs> right. So best way to get help from us is go to quick answers. Now Rachel, you're actually a an elite member of School of Bookkeeping. Can you talk a little bit about the quick answers, your quick answers, types of experiences that you've had? Yeah. So because we were saying earlier, a lot of my clients, what we're using QuickBooks for is a general ledger where we're dumping in a lot of data coming in from other places. So a lot of times I'll forget, how do we do this one thing? Sometimes I'll have a one-off thing or a special situation and I can't remember exactly how to do it. Because it's just not part of my regular workflow. I'll just go to quick answers and I'll ask them. <laughs> I totally forgot how to do that. How do I apply in this credit memo to this one thing? But my account's already reconciled, so I'm not finding it in the match. And they're experts on that. So it's I couldn't do it without them. And if you just want to try it out, we have a day pass, right? We have a one day, one day pass. You get 24-hour access to it. Really try it out. Plus, that gives you a... $49 coupon to apply towards becoming an elite member. So there's really no risk when it comes to that because you, it costs $49 for a day pass. You get a $49 coupon to use for the, the elite membership, which includes a monthly access to quick answer. So that kind of puts a bow on, and I, I think we've created more chaos by the, the possibilities. Don't sell PayPal. <laughs> But that does bring up a good point. Like uh, what you said is if you do have a more complex client, you should be, your fees should be relative or directly proportionate to the amount of complexity that you're going to run into. You don't want to be promising the moon 
and uh, not even getting the rocket off the ground. Definitely have your reward versus your, your potential deep end of the pool be relative to where you're expecting to have. And uh, Rachel, I appreciate you joining us again. We, we try to keep these under a half hour and here we are 53 minutes. The, Definitely. Yeah. And I feel like we uh, barely scratched the surface. We could talk about this forever. And, but the one last thing I just wanted to add is this is also how I do it. And it, I'm not saying that written in stone or there's plenty QuickBooks specialists that maybe they have a different way of doing it, or maybe they have a different workflow or something like that. There's different ways to achieve what you want. This is my way. Um, some people don't like to connect PayPal as a bank. I always do. That's just, I find that I get more accuracy and it's better on my brain when I do it that way. So this is just my method. It's, it is the method. Yeah, there's, that's one of the, the pluses and minuses of, of QuickBooks is there is more than one way to do things and it doesn't necessarily mean there is only one way to do things because there are certainly several different, you ask, you ask 10 accountants with even who aren't using QuickBooks, how to do things, you'll get potentially 10 different answers of, of how that, how that needs to work. We appreciate you joining us again for the, for the workshop. We are going to take a little break on the, on the workshop Wednesday, and we'll probably pick this up in. Uh, so if you're joining us, just uh, bear in mind that we'll, we'll return in October. When we, when we pick up our workshop, Rachel, again, thank you for joining us on this journey through e-commerce. We really appreciate your insights through this as well. Yeah, of course. All right. And we'll see you next time on the workshop Wednesday. Have a great day.